I have a burden. I was talking with your pastor, and we were trying to put things together. And it's kind of neat how God was working because I had a burden, and he was thinking the same thing. And now that you're memorizing God's word, you notice it's not as easy as other things. The reason why is you're facing some battles. So now you need to realize the value of what God's Word Tonight. is. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, the value of God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 140 says, Thy Word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Let's have a word of prayer we'll begin. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your Word. We thank you for the value of it. I pray that you will help us to understand this today, that we might want to love it more, read it more, meditate upon it more, and memorize it more. Give me wisdom and strength, Lord. I'm only a servant. I cannot do this myself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ninety-five percent of the verses that I memorize come right from my Bible reading. Let me say that again. Ninety-five percent of the Bible verses I memorize come right from my Bible reading. That puts the Word of God very high on my valuation, okay? This is what I use. This is my source of information. When I was going to school, uh, the big thing was is that you bought all these books because the more books you had, the more spiritual you looked. It seemed like everywhere you went to the dormitory, say, oh, you want to see all my books? Well, guess what? I got the books, but you know what they're doing now? They're sitting on the shelf collecting dust. <laughs> I'm not using them much because this is what I use right here, the Word of God. And it has been a blessing through the years. And so what we're going to talk about today is the value of God's Word. Because when you fall in love with the Bible, you will want to memorize it. You think about that. If uh, we got some ladies here, how many ladies here like chocolate? Ah, oh, look at that. Everybody likes chocolate. So if I was to tell you ladies that after the service, I have hidden underneath this communion table uh, some chocolate Snickers bars and Three Musketeers bars, you're welcome to get them afterwards. You know what? They would make a beeline up here, and you see them crawling all over the place trying to find a why, because they love chocolate. See? They're, they're, this, where your treasure is their heart, there will your heart be also, Matthew 6.21 says. And what it is, is that we're taught that the Bible is the Word of God. We say, read your Bible. We bring our Bible to church. But then all of a sudden, it is just plain another book. No. This is God's Word. So, the first point is this about the value of God's Word, is believing God's Word is true and inspired. It's not just another book. It was written by God. Okay? And, and so the Bible says in the same passage here, God's word is true and pure. In Psalm 119, verse 160, it says, Thy word it, it was uh, true from the beginning, and all of thy right, righteous judgments endureth forever. So the Bible tells us right here in the same passage that God's word is true and it's pure, and it's important for you to know that. Take your Bible to Psalms chapter 12, please. We're living in a day and age where the Bible is underrated. People tell us we don't have the Word of God. People tell us we only have a translation of the Word of God. And that there are so many different translations out there that we don't know which one is the Word of God. That is not true. 
we do have the Word of God in the English language. And somehow they don't want you to know that because the devil wants to put doubts in your mind. And that's one of the reasons why you're having such a hard time memorizing. Because you don't know what the truth is. Well, this will help you. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified how many times? I can't hear you. Seven times. All right, now, the, word, the number seven in Scripture means it's perfect. This is God's perfect number. And it's been purified seven times. As I will keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation for how long? All right. So, God's Word says that it's going to be preserved forever and that it's been purified seven times. If God says that in His Word and it's been preserved forever, then guess what? It's possible and it is true that we still have the pure Word of God today. Think about that. That's, that's something you don't hear on Dr. So-and-so's radio program all the time or from the Theological Cemetery books that you've maybe read. But my Bible says that we have the Word of God. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6 are very important verses also. It says, every, not some, but every word of God is pure. He is a shield of them that put the trust in him. And then it goes on to say this, add thou not unto his words, lest they be prove thee, and thou be found a liar. Preacher man, why do you memorize and quote so many verses when you preach? Here's your answer right here. Because... I don't like adding to God's Word. See, it's very important. I have a big responsibility that I have accepted a long time ago at the age of 16 when I was called to preach. When I get up and speak in front of a group like this, I'm not just responsible to you. I'm responsible to God for what I teach. That's something to think about. So I made a decision a long time ago that everything I preach and teach, every question I answer, is not going to be according to the preacher man. It's going to be according to the Word of God. When you do that, folks, it will drive you to your Bible. It will make you memorize. Because you don't want your answers, you want God's answers. You don't want your information, you want God's information. Now take your Bible to Psalms chapter 19 a minute. Remember we used the word perfect? Well, here it is again in Psalms 19, verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. By the way, this is a very good verse for soul winning. Notice it says the word of God is a convicting, not us. Amen. But the word perfect there means complete. God's word is very much complete. It's not in the true, it's not in the pure, but it's complete. Everything God wants us to know that he gave us is right here in this book. Keep that in mind. End of story. So, he didn't leave anything out. Dr. So-and-so doesn't have to add all the stuff that he forgot. No. It's all here. And when you start relying upon this book alone, it'll make all the difference in the world about how much you appreciate it. Alright, point B. God's Word is inspired. Take your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. For some of you, this might be old. I think you need to be reminded of this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Because somehow we just look at the Bible as another book on the shelf. No, remember, these are God's words. 
2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17, it says some, right? It says most, right? What does it say, brother? It says all. All scripture is given by who? Inspiration of God and is profitable. Notice it just says this is what it is. No questions, no questions about it. This is what it is. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. There's that word again. Perfect. It means complete. So why was the Bible written? It was given so we could have doctrine, reproof, correction, and we could be complete and have everything God wants us to know. And it was given by who? God. All right? Now, some people come along and say, well, man wrote the Bible, didn't they? No, God told them what to write. There's a difference between the two. Okay? If, if, uh, where's Brother Jason at? Where's Brother? There he is. Let's say that Jason decides to write a book. All right? And he's writing a book, and he's so proud of the book he wrote, and it's on the city of Chicago now. He loves to ride the L train. I'd be the first one to buy it because I love the L train, okay? Anyway, you know what this is? This is all Jason's opinion of riding the L train and living in the city of Chicago. No one told him what to write. He decided to. But if I came along and said, Jason, I'm kind of busy. Can you write what I told you to tell you to say? Would you write the, type this out for me? He'd say, I'd be glad to. Does that mean he agrees with everything I said? No. But who's writing the book, him or me? See what I'm saying? So I'm telling him what to write. And then when it's all done, I can put down there that it was, uh, it was helped by, by Jason here, but I'm the one that wrote the book. Well, it's the same thing with God's Word. Take your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. God chose to use man so that they could get involved, but he told them exactly what to write. That's what I love about this, is that through the years... God has chosen to use us as human beings to help do his work. And here's a perfect example. 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man. Notice we said, to see what it says there, not by the will of man, but a holy man of God spake as ever moved by the Holy Ghost. God told them what to write. I got a couple examples for you. If you need this for ammunition, you soul winners, here we go. Old Testament example, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. Exodus 20, 1 through 3. And God, not Moses, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. New Testament example, Revelation 1, 19. Revelation 1, 19, it simply says, write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. Notice no questions asked is this is what you do. You write the things which thou hast seen, and so on, okay? So, now, not only that, see, people say, well, God's word is so hard to understand. Well, that's not what my Bible says. It was written so that we can understand it. Listen to this. God's word was made plain. Here's a book we don't think about very often, but the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2, says this. And he said unto me, Write the vision, make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth. Now the word plain there doesn't mean that we're trying to write neat so you can read it. No, what it means is you're writing it so that people can understand it. All right? The Bible was not written so that you have to have a Dr. So-and-so's degree from the theological cemetery. It can be understood by the average human being. It was made plain and simple to understand. Man is what's made it hard. You know why? 
by all the different philosophies and all these different versions that your pastor has been talking about that are not good, well, it makes it more confusing. No, it's not confusing. The Bible's very plain. It has the answers. And when you start reading the right version, the King James Version makes all the difference in the world. Hey, remember, I was supposed to be considered slightly retarded from the age of 7 all the way to about the age of 12. I never had a problem understanding this when I started reading and studying it because I just depended upon it. And it was explained to me and taught to me what the Bible had to say. Now take your Bible to Proverbs chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. The Bible was written so that you can understand it. Proverbs 8, verses 8 and 9. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing perverse perverse in them. They're all plain to him, forward or perverse in them. They're all plain to them that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Notice what it says here. It says they're all plain to him that understandeth. That's very simple. The Bible is can be understood. The problem is, is we're not reading right to understand it. It's so, so important. The Bible goes on to say in the same passage in Proverbs 8, verse 5, O oh, ye simple, understand wisdom, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. You know why we can't understand the Bible? We're not being simple-minded. Let me say that again. We don't understand the Bible because we're not being simple-minded. We're trying to make it more complicated than it is. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130, this. It says... The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto who? The simple. I like that. Because I was growing up, I was simple-minded. And I'm so glad I was. This thing keeps on falling down here, brother. Anyway, I'm telling you that I'm glad I was because I was simple-minded. I just depended upon what the Bible simply had to say. And it made all the sense in the world. And as I got older, I started reading more and more and said, hey, this makes sense. And that people come along with all these theories and beliefs and all this stuff. I thought, no wonder they're so confused. They don't believe the simplicity of what God's Word says. Okay? I mean, how would you like it if Patrick Teasdale was my dad? And he simply said to me, David, take out the trash. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But if he made it complicated, say, well, David... I, I want you to take this bag here, I want you to wrap it up, and I want you to make six laps around the house, and then I want you to go by to school, and then I want you to go over here to the grocery store holding this bag in your hand, and when you get the chance, just dump it in a dumpster somewhere. You know what? That's awful confusing, isn't it? Would it be easier to just say, David, take out the trash? Well, that's the way God's Word is. But somehow we have to have this big, long explanation of things before we can understand it. No. God's Word is very simple. All right. Point number two. Believing God's Word has all the answers. Let me say that again. Believing God's Word has all the answers. Take your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Preacher man, how in the wide world did you get the answers for all of our questions? We're going to have another question and answer session sometime today. The science office says, bring your questions, all right? It seemed like we always got questions. Preacher, man, how did you come up with all those answers? Where'd you get them all? You really want to know? Right here. That's it. I believe the Bible has the answers. And when you realize that, then you'll start looking for them. This is what the Bible says, very plain, the 2 Timothy 2.15. Here's a bad word. Study. Oh, I don't like that. I just want to read. No, it's a study. 
Study to show thyself approved unto Pastor Teasdale. Is that what it says? No. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why are we so ashamed today? We don't have answers. But my Bible says we're supposed to study to have answers and rightly divide the word of truth. Did you hear that? It says rightly divide the word of truth. That means the Bible can be understood and we can have right answers. When you understand that, it'll change your whole heart, mind, and attitude about memorizing Scripture. I was telling the college class last week, last Friday, I said, the reason why you have such a hard time to memorize, you memorize it for the wrong reason. You need to believe the Bible has the answers. And when you realize that, you will memorize for that reason. Now, God gave us certain answers. Proverbs 22, 2021. 20, Proverbs 22, verses 2021 20, says this. Have not I written unto thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee to know the certainty of the words of the truth, that thou mightest answer words of truth unto them that are sent unto thee. Notice it says that we can have the certainty of the words of the truth. Wow. Now take your Bible to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Verse 28. We're going to dwell on this verse a few minutes. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studieth to what? Answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. When I read my Bible, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for answers. I study for answers. Because I don't have the answers. God's Word has the answers. So I have a definite purpose of reading my Bible because I want God to teach me something. I want to have understanding. I want to have God's answers. And it's not going to happen by flying through your Bible. It's not going to happen by just saying, I'm going to get a pack of verse cards out and just start memorizing them. Oh, you've got to memorize for the right reason. You've got to memorize that you can have definite answers to give to somebody at a moment's notice. And that's why I read my Bible. And that's why I memorize scripture. It's not just a bunch of information. I want to have those verses ready for answers, okay? So if this guy here asked me, did Adam have a belly button, I could give him an answer, right? Amen? And by the way, that's been asked before. It might even be asking again today, okay? But what I'm saying here is that we have to have definite answers. Now, take your Bibles back to 2 Peter, chapter 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1. This is important for you to see, because this is going to go totally against the grain of, who's, who's, uh, man is, okay. Okay, anyway, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, this is going to go totally against the grain of what you hear in the radio and Bible teachers today. Notice what it says here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Notice what it says here? No private interpretation. There's only one interpretation of the Bible. Let me say that again. There's only one interpretation of the Bible. That's God's. It's just that simple. Man wants you to think there's 101 views of this. 
And by the way, this all started back in the Garden of Eden. Sometime you might want to study Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. And you'll see that Eve was sidetracked. And then Satan turned around and made her doubt God's word. And once he got her to doubt God's word, then he could tell her the big lie. But first of all, he had to get her distracted from the truth. And that's exactly what's happening today, is that everybody's trying to distract you from reading your Bible alone, to get the Bible itself for the answers. It's trying to distract you here, there, there. No. The Bible has definite answers, and there's only really one interpretation, and we can know it. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 30, Proverbs 21, verse 30, there's no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. That's pretty plain. All right. Now, number three, this is important. Man does not have the answers. Let me say that again. Man does not have the answers. Take your Bible to Psalms chapter 118, please. I got a little interesting fact for you. Psalms 118, verse 8. When you get there, you are at the middle verse of the entire Bible. You hear that? The middle verse of the entire Bible. You would think that it has a secret message, wouldn't you? It would be kind of neat if the middle verse of the entire Bible had a secret message. If you were to turn to the middle of your Bible, what would God have to tell us? Well, here it is. I love this. It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. Wow. Isn't that neat? And what it says. It says, better to trust in the Lord, put confidence in man. I learned a long time ago not to trust in man's philosophy, not to trust in man's theories, but simply believe the Bible. I'm going to emphasize this and emphasize this. You need to understand that man does not have the answers. Okay? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5 that your faith does not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Now, this is what's happening today. People are being trained to be able to say things with their, their words to make it sound so good and so attracting. Did you know the Bible warns us against that? Yeah. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18 says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause the vision, defenses contrary to the doctrine you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and of good works and of fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You can turn on the radio today, and you can hear some pretty fancy talking. And they sound like they really know what they're talking about. Oh, it sounds so good and just so soothing and so attractive to listen to. And then they tell you to buy their book that costs an outrageous price of 75 bucks. And they'll, have you, uh, they'll give you an autographed picture to go with it and all this stuff. Guess what? God's word is still the answers. And it doesn't matter how good or how soothing it looks. Watch it. This is why I memorize a lot of verses. You know why? I want to detect a false prophet. I want to be able to say, this isn't what the God Bible says. This is what God's Word has to say. This man's trying to lure you the other way. All right, we're in Chicago. How many have ever dealt with a wheel and dealing car salesman? You know what a wheel and dealing car salesman? There we go. There we go. Okay? It's not hard around here. All you have to do is find a used car lot, and the guy walks up and says, 
Yes, sir. You look like you need to buy a car. Well, let me tell you something here. We got this cream puff right over here. Yes, sir. It was driven to the door by the grandma. And she just drove it back into the grocery store and the church and back. Yes, sir. A real cream puff and taken care of. Look at this thing. Yes, sir. And he talks his car up and real smooth. And if this guy here is not careful, he's going to buy himself a junkyard special. Right? I know. I used to clean them up. I worked at a dealership. They bring them in here to clean them up and clean the engine, get all the oil off of them and all that looks brand new. They turn the odometer back back when you could do that, you know, and they call it a real cream puff. And I'm in there going, yeah, right. Okay. Well, you know what's the same thing what they're doing with the word of God. They're trying to sell their philosophy and make it sound so good. Don't pay attention to it. You know how much I listen to Christian radio? Very little. You know why? Because most of it is not telling you the truth. I hate to break the ice to you, but it's true. Little by little, we're being distracted from God's Word. Okay? My Bible goes on to say in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8 says, Beware, lest any man's voice for philosophy in vain deceit. At the rhythms of this world, after the traditions of men, and not after Christ. The Bible warns us here, saying, Hey, this is what's going to happen. All right? Now, Paul said the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but as they heap themselves teachers after their own lusts, having teachers and with itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. God said this would happen. And it's happening today. We have teachers with itching ears. And I have met people that go from church to church, from book to book to theory to theory, trying to figure out the truth and saying, oh, this guy sounds good. And then all of a sudden, this guy sounds better. And this guy sounds better. No, 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 no. I'll tell you what sounds better. The truth. God's Word. God's Word. Now, here's a question you might have. What about these men that have the fancy degrees? They're so qualified, aren't they? After all, they went to the theological cemetery and they got these fancy degrees. Now, let me say something. There are some men out there that have a degree that use it for the right reason. But everyone I've talked to that do, don't depend upon the degree. They depend upon the Word of God. Let me say that again. They don't depend upon the degree. They depend upon the Word of God. But there are some that do. They claim they have this fancy degree. You know what the Bible says about that? Here you are. Psalm 62, verse 9. Psalm 62, verse 9. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie, to be laid into balance, for altogether they are lighter than vanity. That's what the Bible has to say about these men with degrees. So you start hearing this guy about bragging about his great fancy doctor's degree, and I'd be careful about that. I've run into a lot of them that have doctor's degrees, and you know what? They really don't know the Bible at all. They know what they've been taught in school. They've learned about the Bible, but they don't know the Bible because they haven't studied the Bible for answers. They have studied the theories of men. They've studied the teaching of men. And that's why you need to listen to your pastor. That's why you need to listen to the Bible teaching and memorize the verses, chapter and verse. Here's my favorite saying when I talk to somebody. Where in the Bible does it say that? Yeah, I ask that all the time. I don't care if it's Dr. So-and-so or anybody. I, I always ask that question. Where in the Bible does it say that? And they look at me like, huh? Well, guess what? I want to have an answer. I want a chapter and verse because this is what the Bible has to say. Now, Jesus had something to say about these men. Anybody remember the Pharisees and Sadducees in the Scriptures? 
You've heard about them guys? Well, guess what? They had the fancy degrees. You know, they went to the fancy theological cemetery. By the way, a lot of them had most of the Old Testament memorized. But does that mean they were experts on it? No. No. You're right, brother. You're right. This is what Jesus had to say to them. Right, right straight out. Look at Adam. Matthew 22, 29. He said, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Can you imagine being one of these big shot Pharisees, having all these verses memorized, and, but meant, meant nothing to you, and he's looking at you and saying, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures. Like, what is he talking about? Well, let me tell you something. You can, uh, you can memorize a bunch of information, but that doesn't mean you understand it. Let me say that again. You can memorize a bunch of information, but that doesn't mean you understand it. And that's why I tell you, you study for answers. Don't worry about these guys. You worry about being simple-minded, okay? I used to be laughed at when I was in school. They're not laughing at me anymore. They're asking me Bible questions, okay? I don't worry about these fancy degrees. And my Bible, and I love this verse right here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, this is what Paul said. This is so important about these Pharisees. But we speak of the wisdom of God, even in mystery, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. Do you realize the people who crucified Jesus were the ones that claimed to know the most about the Bible? Does that tell you something? Let me, let me roll that by you again. The people that crucified Jesus were the ones that said they knew the most about the Bible. Yet they had no clue why. It was a mystery to them. The verses right here says mystery. Why? The word mystery means hidden truth now revealed. They had no clue what this book had to say. Because all it was was a bunch of information. And that's why we can't understand our Bibles today. We're going round and round and thinking, wait a minute. No, no, you don't have to know all that. Okay? All you have to know is what the Bible says. Now, let's get to the nitty-gritty of this. This is so, so important. Take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. How much time do I have left, brother? Good. Okay. I want to answer a question today that comes up a lot. So we're going to turn here to start with. Here's the question. Preacher man, when the Bible was translated from its original language into another language, was it watered down? Have you ever heard of that before? All right. Uh, let me answer that question again, because we're going to answer it for you. When the Bible is translated from one language to another, original language to another, is it watered down? Well, look at this verse. Revelation 1.11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send to the seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardius, unto Philadelphia, unto Laodicea. You say, why are you reading this verse? Question. How many, how many churches would John supposed to send the book of Revelation to? Right. Say that again. Good. I'll go to the head of the class. Question. Which one got the original copy? Right, all seven. I like this guy. All seven. And it says across Asia. Wait a minute. Do you think all these churches spoke the same language? No. So which one got the watered-down copy? None of them. Because the Bible was designed to be translated to every known language to man. You got that? 
Think about it. It was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. If God wanted to be all in one language and only study one language, you'd think he'd just pick one language and say, that's it, study it. But there's nowhere it says that. Just the opposite is true. God designed it so it could be put into every known language to man. Listen to these verses from Acts chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Now there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And listen, when with this noise abroad, the people were confounded because they heard every man speak in their own language. Acts 2, verses 5 and 6. 3,000 people were saved at that meeting. And you look at the passage and it goes on to give all the different languages that were represented there. That's a lot of people. Which one got the watered-down version? None of them. Amen. That's right. Amen. None of them. All right. Esther 8, 9 is the largest, uh, the longest verse in the Bible, and it tells us that Mordecai wrote in a document and sent it under 127 different provinces after their own languages. Every one of them understood what he said. Now, take your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This is going to really help you a lot, you that are trying to prove some things. They say, oh, the Bible was, it was watered down, it was translated to English. No, it wasn't. Here's proof. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which be interpreted as what? God with us. Notice it gives an interpretation here of the word Emmanuel. You know why? Emmanuel is a Hebrew word. And now it gives the translation for us in the Greek, which was put into English, saying, here, this is what it means, God with us. Isn't this neat? When the Bible needs to, it translates a word and puts it into the other language of what it means so we can understand it. You say, this is the only explanation? No. Take your Bible to Matthew 27, verse 46. Matthew 27, verse 46. It says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried a loud voice, these words... Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which interpreted is what? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? By the way, this is directly from Psalms 22, verse 1, which was written in Hebrew. So Jesus is quoting in Hebrew, because by the way, he was a Hebrew, and he's saying these words, but it gives the explanation for you, because the New Testament was written in Greek, so it says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Isn't this awesome? This is really neat. Take your Bible to Revelation chapter 9. I love this part. Revelation chapter 9. We're running out of time, so I won't quote the whole verse, but we'll look at the verse to let you see here. This, this verse is talking about a keeper of the bottomless pit, and it was an angel, but he had two names. And in this passage, it talks about two names he had. One was Abaddon, and the other was Apollyon. But notice what it says here. One was Hebrew, and one was Greek. It gives both names for you, one in the Hebrew and one in the Greek. Take your pick. This is what he had, but he had two names, and we want to give them both to you. Isn't this awesome? Wow. Now, in closing, take your Bible, Revelation chapter 16. I got an interesting fact for you Bible thumpers. Revelation 16, 16. This is the only place in the entire Bible the word Armageddon is mentioned. Whoa, let me say that again. This is the only time in the entire Bible the word name Armageddon is mentioned. We talk about it, and there's many passages that describe this battle, but this is the only time it's mentioned. And it says, you gather together in a place in a Hebrew tongue called what? Armageddon. 
Notice it gives what language it came from. So you know exactly what language is being talked here. You see how precise your Bible is? We could go on and on with this stuff, but what I'm trying to tell you is, if you don't believe your Bible has answers, if you have these doubts in your mind, you're not going to memorize Scripture. But when you see the Bible has ammunition like this, you say, wow, this is amazing. And we could go on and on with this stuff. There's just tons and tons of this stuff. But I'm telling you, I want to give you a few examples to let you see that we still have the pure word of God in the English language. And the only problem is, is we haven't taken the time to learn it. Notice I didn't say memorize. I said learn it. Now, in the morning service in part two, we're going to teach you about reading your Bible and how to do it a little bit. Maybe this will help you a little bit about getting things out of it, share a few, a few, few secrets with what Preacher Man has, and then we're going to also show you examples of reading your Bible and how I found verses to memorize in one particular chapter. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll begin. I uh, will we'll close, rather, excuse me. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity. I pray that this lesson has been a blessing to these people. I pray they will think about what's been said and will be drilled into their minds, Lord, that we do have the true word of God. We need to have a, a high value of it and believe it really does have the answers. That we might study the Bible to find the answers and depend upon it alone for the answers. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Pastor?